2020, what a year has it been? It has shown the most dominant species on this earth that we are not invincible. There's someone quite powerful, crazy and unpredictable that we all need to watch out for. It has made the word virus the most familiar and dreaded word. Viruses are a type of parasite. I'm Anusha Beer, an invertebrate biologist, and I have always been fascinated by these minuscule, at times microscopic creatures that are capable of performing some of the craziest phenomena in the universe. Not only can some evolve quicker than medical science can keep up with, as in the case of the novel coronavirus, they are capable of a lot more. Some of these phenomena are nothing less than science fiction. In this series, I have picked some of the unbelievable wonders from the world of hosts and parasites to share with my listeners, focusing mainly on the parasitic insects, who I'm calling wild hitchhikers, join me as we enter a world of mind-boggling manipulation and trickery. From worms to whales, none are immune to deceit by their tiny residents, the dangerous wild hitchhikers. Stay tuned to find out more about these wild hitchhikers. talking about more body snatchers this week. But these body snatchers are master plastic surgeons who transform their host's appearance without any medical training at all. First of all, we'll look at the surgeon who can successfully perform organ transplant surgery like it is a piece of cake. talk about a parasitic flatworm, or more correctly, a tapeworm belonging to the genus Leucochloridium. These parasites infect terrestrial snails, such as an amber snail, who are their intermediate hosts. This host is like a bridge that enables the parasite to get to its final destination, a bird. The parasite completes its life cycle in this final or definitive host and releases its eggs in bird feces. But this bridge is faulty because birds don't eat snails. What will the parasite do now? Well, we'll think that it'll just find another host. But it doesn't need to do that because it's a parasite with magical paths. Why not make this dud host 
into a more useful one somehow. It will move its magic wand and modify the bridge to somehow make it get to its destination. In other words, it will modify the snail itself to make it attractive to birds who will be compelled to devour this otherwise tasteless meal. First of all, a snail ingests the worm's eggs, or sporocytes. When the time to propagate arrives, these sporocytes form an elongated brood sac, or a bag of eggs, that reaches the snail's eye stalks in bright daylight. Timing of the day is important, because it is essential that the host is clearly visible to others. Here it does something totally spooky. It begins changing its appearance. Its hair or its skin may change or more commonly its eyes may start to glow or change color. This is exactly what this parasite does to the snail's eyes. The eyes don't exactly start to glow, but do something similar. Now, once in the eye stalk, the brood sacs start pulsating at a rate 60 to 80 contractions per minute. The contrasting white, yellow, green and black stripes of brood sac when pulsated at this rate give the illusion of a moving caterpillar. So, to a bird flying in the sky, the eyes of the snail appear to be a moving caterpillar. An appetizing meal. The bird plunges at the snail, grabbing its eye stalk with its beak and thereby ingesting the cunning parasite. Now, the parasite doesn't only change the appearance of the host, it changes its own appearance as well. As it begins pulsating, once it is inside a snail. Furthermore, it not only snatches the host's body, but alters the snail's behavior. It makes the snail more active to increase its chances of discovery by a bird definitive host. Like the zombie moth fungus, this tapeworm also positions the snail in open air for better visibility. 
to a flying object, like a bird. The parasite is also commonly known as the zombie snail parasite, as in some ways its manipulation and position of the host resembles the zombie ant parasite. These zombie snails can be found at various locations around the world and are common in North America and Japan. The next example is also fairly well known and extremely repelling, but I won't bite my tongue. I'll go ahead and tell you about this tongue-biting parasite, or shall I say, tongue-snatching parasite. Parasitic isopods, Cumothoa, are found mainly in marine habitats around the world except the polar regions. Different species are highly specific to their host species, which means that they can only exploit a few host species, so pretty much opposite of a generalist parasite like the cowbird we talked about a few episodes back. That said, almost every type of marine fish is known to be exploited by different members of this group of parasites. But a snapper is a good example of a commonly exploited host species. These parasites are commonly known by many names like the fish doctor, tongue biter or tongue replacer or a sea lice. The parasite grabs hold of the fish's tongue with the hooks on its legs. There it nibbles on the tongue until it wastes away and just the tongue's stub remains. Then it fixes itself to the stub in an eternal relationship with its fish host and replaces the fish's tongue with itself. So this is more a tongue snatcher rather than a whole body snatcher.
not many people associate something as pretty as a marine barnacle with parasitism. But they are perhaps the most devilish of all parasites, at least in my opinion. Most barnacles are happy being attached to a rock and filtering food from the water. But not this one. This one likes to travel the world, well, the marine world to be precise, and prefers a more mobile host. Barnacles, belonging to the genus Seculina, are body snatchers. They have a very simple anatomy with just the reproductive system interna, which looks like the roots of a plant, and an organ specialized to suck nutrients. Unlike other barnacles, the larvae of Seculina, and in fact the whole order of these barnacles called Erasocephalans, have separate sexes. That is, different individuals are males and females. Now, only the females become parasitic. Why? You guessed it. Females reproduce and raise the young. But these females don't want to do the jobs themselves. Reproduction in barnacles is a bit strange. Remember, I told you earlier that these organisms are immobile and attached to a surface. Well, that's true, but they have a brief mobile period as cyprus larvae. Females must receive these cyprates in order to mature and reproduce. These cyprates, which consist of sperm-producing tissues, remain inside a female receptacle, which is like a container where they are nourished and nursed for the remainder of their lifetime. The parasitic female, when attached to a host, can produce eggs using these separates throughout their lives and can even alter the male to female ratio of their offsprings depending on how many males and females are already in the population. But how do these females parasitize a host? The female larvae, which you recall is a mobile stage, attached to the soft spot in the crab's body in a part where it doesn't have the protective armor of thick shells, usually in its legs. There, it sheds its own shell and makes its way inside the crab's body and fixes itself to the crab's abdomen. Once the crab is in the grips of this parasite, it can neither grow or digest its own food. The parasite also castrates the crab, making it unable to reproduce. So, now, the sole purpose of this crab's life is to provide for this unwanted hitchhiker. How unfortunate is that? Eventually, the parasite spreads through the crab's entire body, nibbling on its 
vital organs, like the brain and the reproductive organs. The parasite reproduces when it reaches the brood sac, where its eggs are nurtured and looked after by the crab, as if they were its own, a typical case of mind manipulation. At this final stage, from outside, the barnacle doesn't look like a barnacle at all. But series of root-like structure or interna poking out of the crab's body and the barnacle attached to its abdomen. You might have guessed that barnacle saculina would need a female to do what it does. That is true, but actually it doesn't matter whether it lands on a male or a female host. Why? Because it's a skilled surgeon. If it does encounter a male crab, it just turns its magic wand and turns it into a female. Problem solved. Another interesting parasitic barnacle is from the species Analasma. These parasites exploit a deep water predator, a velvet belly lantern shark. These sharks are pretty cool. Like many underwater animals, it is bioluminescent or has the ability to glow. It uses its shiny light in two ways. One, to disappear completely from bottom so that a predator below it can't see it. Imagine if you are below the shark and the sunlight falls at the shark from above. What you'll see is the shadow of the shark. But if the shark produces a light that is identical to the sunlight, then shark will be literally invisible to you. This is a Pretty clever technique. But not only this, it also produces light from its dorsal fins and the primary purpose of this is to ward off predators above the shark by providing the illusion of something spiny and dangerous. But even these clever creatures can be rendered lifeless and childless by a tiny barnacle. The parasite attaches itself to the shark's body and penetrates into its flesh before finally embedding itself into the shark's muscles. Then it sprouts many branch-like structure to suck the lifeblood out of the shark, retards the development of host's reproductive organ and castrates it.
body snatching parasites have received some media attention and inspired the plot of the movie The Bay, released in 2012, which features a mutated form of these parasites which start infecting humans. We looked at some truly spooky parasites that alter their host appearance and even their gender. Next week, we'll look at Fatal Attraction that makes an infected host seek out its predator. You've been listening to Wild Hitchhikers. You'll find podcasts of this series online at oar.org.nz. And if you would like to find out more about today's show or get in touch, check out the Wild Hitchhikers blogspot page at the Gaia's Girl, T-H-E-G-A-I-A-S-G-A-L dot blogspot.com. I hope to catch you next week with more weird and wonderful Wild Hitchhikers. Adios.